Welcome back, everyone. You're watching We Heart Therapy, the special series EFT Talk. I'm your host, Dr. Bell, licensed marriage and family therapist and certified EFT supervisor and therapist here in fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. Mm -hmm. And I am so incredibly excited that we have Dr. Cindy Goodness Zane with us today. She's a licensed psychologist and certified EFT trainer, supervisor, a therapist in amazing and beautiful Hawaii. And we're just so excited to have her on the show today. And before we introduce the topic, I just want to give a quick thank you to all the viewers and listeners out there and you know, I started this podcast a few years ago with just a, kind of a grassroots effort. You know, I thought, well, I've got questions. And so maybe other folks have questions too. And, you know, when I went to the first EFT summit, I met all these trainers I didn't even know were out there. So I thought, hey, maybe there's a win-win. Like, you know, everybody's got a valuable voice and something we can learn from. So I wanted to introduce the EFT community to the trainers and let them know about these incredible resources and maybe help each other out. Cause let's just face it. EFT training can get quite expensive if you do it as often as you would like to. <laughs> so I just wanted to give some nuggets to everyone in between. And it's been a growing process. Um, yeah. I just appreciate everybody's feedback. You guys have, you know, come to me at trainings and said, I feel like I've seen you sort of grow and evolve over time, the kinds of questions you mm -hmm. ask and the processing. And so I just really appreciate everybody. And I just want to say a big thank you to everyone for just supporting and giving feedback and just continuing to uh, watch the episodes. So thank you so much. And so without further ado, so with Dr. Cindy Goodnessing, um, and we're just going to call her Cindy for our podcast. So we are going to be talking about the topic of one of our favorite EFT things, the art of holding two truths together at the same time. So I'm really excited about this because I feel like EFT is one of the only models that, not to say that it is the only model, I just happen to feel like we really emphasize this in EFT, being able to hold two truths together. And when you're working with couples or families, multiple people in the room, that can be kind of difficult. So, Cindy, why don't you start us off and maybe give us a little bit of an idea. What do we mean when we even say holding two truths together? Well, first off, Annabelle, thank you for having me. I've been a fan of your podcast uh, since the beginning. I listened to it in the car. Um, and so it's quite an honor uh, to be here, even a bit intimidating. So thanks oh, for having me. You're so sweet. <laughs> I'm so surprised. I'm like, I'm not intimidating. I think you are amazing. And I'm so honored and blessed to have you. I'm just putting my uh, two truths out there as excited I'm... as I am. I'm also a little bit uh, scared and nervous but yeah. staying in the present. Um, I think your topic is a, an exciting one um, and a broad one. And when I first sat with, you know, holding two truths together, I was like, wow, that kind of extends to everything we do in EFT, right, right down to our conceptual and theoretical underpinnings of, uh, you know, systemic theory, uh, attachment theory and humanism. 
Uh, and so I was like, whoa, how do we, how do I talk about that? Uh, and then it, it, you know, I, I kind of started to be curious, like as we hold two truths together, you know, what are we holding the two truths in? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's really the two truths of each partner, right? And we're really holding the two truths, holding both partners in the attachment frame so that they can come closer together uh, through clear, their clear emotion channels. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, wow, yeah, nobody talks about what we are holding the two truths in. Mm-hmm. And once I added the attachment frame and the clear uh, emotion channel, uh, it's it started to become clear and uh, organizable and comprehensible to me. And my nervous system started to settle. Uh, and so that really helped to ground me to remember the attachment frame, the attachment lens, the attachment significance of what both partners do or don't do that is always affecting the other because Mm -hmm. they love and care. Uh, And we're trying to stay with them in the present moment emotion and walk them through their emotion channels as they try to get to each other the best way they know how, and then encountering blocks and not even knowing it. And if we can hang in there with their truths in the attachment lens, stay with them in their present moment emotion channels, we can help them to clear the way to get closer to each other. Um, Mm. I really love what you're saying. And and even as you're saying this, Cindy, something occurred to me and I want to just highlight it and then like hopefully put a little push pin in it for us to come back to, because I know there's sort of like a a flow to this. I sort of see this as like a scaffolded, lots of layers with the two truths. And as you're saying this, I'm realizing, you know, the multiple layers in which I even experience the two truths with my clients in sessions that I think on the very top level, many of us recognize that it can be the fact that you have multiple people in the same room with a different experience who are fighting over, no, it needs to be my truth or it has to be your truth. And and that often becomes um, the nature of their cycle. But it, it also occurred to me while you were talking that the two truths can also be within one person, right? Where one part of me says this and another part of me feels that. And how do we make space for both of those in addition to like not just the thoughts, but the emotions. And I think even as a early EFT or I felt like, well, if someone was feeling angry and sad, I sort of had to like push angry or something, the other emotion out of the way to get to something else rather than saying, you know what, you could actually be sad and mad and curious or fresh, like you can have multiple emotions at one time and it doesn't have to be either or. So I definitely want to like, let's, let's thumbtack that and come back to that. Um, but coming back to what you're saying and you're saying, and again, attachment is our 
foundation in EFT. And as I like to say, attachment is the science about how we human, right? Mm-hmm. And exactly. When we really understand it, it kind of gives us x-ray vision for seeing below the surface what seems most obvious or is presented to us on the surface to what's really underneath and driving it. And, you know, through that attachment lens, it sounds like you're saying it it gives you, the therapist, more like empathy to hold space. As you say, like, what are we holding it in, you know? And I would love to sort of like expand that with you right there. Because I think, you know, not only are we helping the couples tolerate the fact that each of them, and this could even be siblings. I mean, two people grew up in the same household who went through the same experience, but had radically different meanings and, and emotional experiences of the same thing, right? It doesn't have to be an either or. So we're trying to help the client hold these but also the therapist to hold these. That's a struggle with therapists also. Could you maybe speak more to that idea of holding, maybe holding this in session in the therapist maybe? Yeah. And, you know, there, there are common challenges that come up that cause us to lose the attachment frame or to uh, get knocked off balance by the live emotions and multiple emotions that come up, uh, not just one partner, but both partners all at the same time. Uh, And we get disoriented ourselves in the mashup. Um, And so common challenges that I've noticed in myself, I've I've hit them all (laughs) multiple times, uh, as well as feel quite normal that my colleagues hit it too, is when we lose the attachment frame, we sort of lose the systemic view. You know, what ends up happening is we go to the either or, or we end up unintentionally uh, excluding or invalidating the other partner. Mm. You know, that some somehow as we lose the frame or get knocked off our balance, right, we can try to get through one partner on behalf of the other, like I found myself like uh, trying to be the voice of one partner to the other. It's like, well, actually, I think he, she, they is saying this. And, and I I take the words away. I take the truth away mm. from that partner. Um, you know, we can try to become protective of one partner over the other. It's like, oh, yeah. you know, if this comes out. I have a sense of what he, she, they is going to say, if this comes out, that's going to trigger the other partner. And then I notice I get cautious or I could shy away uh, or early on, I might hold back on an enactment because I'm on pins and needles on the inside of my nervous system. Uh Oh, what's going to happen? And am I going to cause that pain? Mm. I think that's so I love that you use that word mashup, right? Mm. It can feel like that when the couples get going. And I love, like, I think what I hear you giving words to is kind of the self of the therapist experience and how, you know, basically what happens in our room brings something alive in us. And you made that beautiful point. And, and I see this a lot with therapists is that they can get 
I think in EFT, we kind of say pulled into the cycle on one side, like, you know, that protective part, like, well, you know, this is abuse, like they start almost like labeling one partner, or they can get stuck in pathology. And I I think that's where you said the attachment frame helps, because it helps us understand from a more holistic, systemic, relational, you know, that it's not just some evil person coming out to be torturous or villainous or hurtful to their partner, that there's some pain there, you know, but it's like we could get sucked in and start pathologizing and like, oh, I got to protect this one because this is abuse if they turn and do this. And so it's like we get pulled in and when we're pulled in on one side, we're not holding the fact that there are two different experiences. And could you say more maybe about the cost to the therapeutic alliance if that happens or when that happens or the potential cost? Yeah. Uh, you know, where, where we end up unintentionally and sometimes with quite the opposite of tensions of trying to be helpful and protective and caring, have unintended impacts on our clients. When we get constricted on the inside, lose the attachment frame, uh, we end up constricting our clients or taking away their voice or their truth. Uh, And then, but the resiliency amazement of the clients is they they come back because they want to relate with us. And so they, their longings start coming in that they want to be clear or can we recognize the signs that, uh, oh, uh, I've, I'm tuning back into my own system, my own clear signals to myself, making sense of that, uh, and then getting back on balance to resume on the attachment frame uh, and tracking their emotion wherever I can pick it back up. Uh, and so uh, we we take away their voice when we start listening to uh, our channels and not very clear about Uh, Are we in a constricted space Mm -hmm. Uh, or are we actually perhaps attuning to them, right? That's the other truth of our own signals in the the self, the therapist. How do we check that out? That there could be this other side of maybe a part of our signals are from our own personal lives. And part of that signal might be hyper attuning to the partners. Can we check that out somehow in our holding truth to truths, tentative, collaborative kind of way. Like, I, you know, I, I don't know, Annabelle, um, I'm picking up in my nervous system. Oh, a little blip went off, a little uh-oh went off in a, a, a moment of I don't know. And I can't help but wonder if that might be going on for you too. It may not be, uh, but if it is, I just want to check that out with you. Hmm. It feels so good. Even as you say this, I feel like really calm and, you know, and I imagine for our clients, how powerful that is, you know, as they're coming in. And I think especially where this could be maybe most obviously challenging is in the early stages of our work where clients are most heated and escalated. And we see what feels like a power struggle and two people, you know, um, and I think 
you know, as you mentioned, this is sort of basic attachment is the more insecurely attached we are or the bond, the less uh, we can hold two truths together as, as people. And so it's like a fight, almost like a domination, like it, it's hard to feel like it's okay that we disagree or we have a different perspective. Mm-hmm. You see clients sort of like, no, it has to be how I make sense of no, it has to be how I make sense out of it. And, you know, when a therapist gets sucked into that, and they get pulled in on one side, it, it can feel like taking a side and I feel like that's a pretty maybe um, uh, key thing to highlight is when you do have multiple people in the room, you have to attune to both and hold both. Right. And so could it be also that um, a, a cost could be if we could break a it with the other partner or I love how you said unintentional, like emotional signals, like could you maybe speak to what the emotional impact or the emotional signals could be if one partner feels like we've sort of joined sides against them and not holding their truth. Right. Like as we join each partner, when we are unpacking their process of emotion or their part of the cycle, can we send signals that we are holding the other partner in our mind and in our hearts too? Right. When we watch Sue at work and she's always as she's talking more directly with one, she's always sending verbal and nonverbal signals. Hey, uh, you're in my my view. Right. You're in my mind. We can let them know even with our words. Now, I know you may not feel the way that your sweetheart is interpreting you. And we're going to come to that in a little bit. I just want you to let you know, we're, we're, I want to hear you out mm-hmm. as I try to align and see it like your sweetheart does right mm-hmm. here, right now, right? Sue does a lot of, as you know, right? The signs of attunement are ways of attuning are overwhelmingly nonverbal. And she exudes that with her body language her eye contact, her facial expression, uh, her touch to con- to comfort, um, and just say, you're in my view. Your partner may not be able to hold you in his, her, their view right now at the same time. But I, as a temporary attachment figure in the room, can do that. Mm. Right. Could you say more about attunement? I think that was really beautiful. You said two good things. And I want to hold one to come around to after my mind is just processing so much because you're saying so much good stuff. But this, this um, EFT, I don't know if you call it like a stance or an intervention or just a way of being with attunement. Can you talk about like the role that that plays in this, Mm. in what you were just saying? Oh, gosh, that's, that's everything in being human with the humans in front of you, right? Are we present with them? Uh, uh, Do they feel us? Do we feel them so that they know that they matter? They're important to us. We are trying to get them. We may not always, but we care enough to, right? One of my favorite quotes is Daniel Stern, 
We need the eyes of others to form and hold ourselves together. That without those eyes reflecting back to us what is coming through us, we can't develop the neural pathways to make all of that associations, to learn ourselves and make those dis differentiations. And attunement is the way we send our eyes in so much more than just our two eyes. Mm. Okay. Like right here, right now, you and I are face to face, even though we're virtual, like I feel present with you. Mm -hmm. Right. And not just in the eye contact, but the facial expressions, mm -hmm. uh, the, the mirroring, the glow, your nonverbal acknowledgments that say, mm -hmm. I'm tracking you, you know, your head, head nods, like I'm with you. Mm -hmm. Right. It's just mm -hmm. exuding mm -hmm. off of you. And Sue does such a great job, like even her, oh, or when her voice hits that squeaky high pitch that oh so painful as she just validates a, a pursuer in the height of those attachment fears mm. i love what you're saying and so if i'm getting you right um i think you're saying that attunement is a way that we can be with the client and send them emotional signals it says i am with you i am holding this space with you um you know with both partners and that can be with tone of voice that can be with not just like the words we're saying but in addition to the words we're saying like the body language the um emotional engagement the felt sense of togetherness and that's right. a, a way to communicate that. And as we are mirroring it, reflecting it back, validating it, accepting it, organizing it sort of more directly with one partner, we are also indirectly holding the other partner and cultivating sort of the, the emotional warmth of the mm -hmm. water in the room to hold them in that attachment frame mm -hmm. and also bring them into the emotion channel so mm -hmm. they can understand it within the emotional relational lens mm -hmm. right? that it looks nothing like what they uh, perceive it as in the negative pattern. Mm -hmm. And something occurred to me while you were talking that I feel like is so important that this that attunement really ties into. And so I wonder if, if we could kind of expand this for a moment. And I feel like this, this idea is something that can block attunement. And so I wonder if we could maybe break down what the potential threat or danger could be around holding two truths together. Like, for a therapist, you know, what could we know the neurological brain sends danger signals? So that's why we call it threat and EFT um, and attachment. It's like a danger to the connection. And somehow it feels like we have to pick a side and decide who is the most right. In, and somehow something in attuning to both 
that are different. And especially if one person's shared or expressed experience is not being communicated in the most effective way, right? Maybe lots of anger, um, high, you know, high intensity in voice, whatever reactivity. Maybe there's a fear in the therapist to being with. And so maybe we could talk about what that means and then maybe take it a step further for also the clients, why people to humans might get into a power struggle, what what the threat could be around. What if we both have a different experience of this thing and both could be right? Why does that feel so unimaginable? Like what's the danger of it being both and instead of it has to be mine or yours? Right, because just like our couples, uh, we clinicians uh, can miss read, be affected by the uh-oh, if what you're saying really is true, does that mean that I will lose you? That it, It's all of our worst fears about ourselves mm-hmm. and our models of selves and views of other come rushing in to try to explain reactivity. Right? That mm-hmm we lose the lens that reactivity is actually a sign that connection is there. It's just trying to connect the distance or the disconnect and the feared reasons why that distance and disconnect is there, right? The feared reasons of I'm not good enough. I'm too much. Nobody's ever going to be there for me in my most painful places. Or the trying to correct, can I have my partner be there reliably and consistently? And so we turn up the volume. And us as therapists can be affected by the reactivity. Uh Uh-oh, what if what they're saying, which is the most painful, at, at least for me, may not be for other clinicians, but when couples, partners come in with despair. Mm -hmm utter despair that they have tried and tried and tried everything they know and way beyond that time and time years they're like maybe we're just not meant to be together Mm. and then i notice my uh uh-oh comes up Mm -hmm. oh no right am i gonna lose this couple am i gonna lose this client am i not doing my job well Mm. Um, my own despairs can come up and I'll misinterpret the reactivity rather than staying in the emotion with them. So they're not alone. Mm. Is there, so on this, in this same place, you know, I'm just really being with what you're saying and I'm trying it on and I'm thinking, I'm feeling like this fear and I wonder if maybe this is something found in what attunement is and what attunement is not. Something about being with. It's like if I attune and one partner wants to save this and one partner comes in in despair and, you know, or, you know, one partner is raging in session, like angry, yelling, saying things. Um that are hurtful. Do you sort of get the sense that therapists, maybe the they the danger for them might be somehow 
and maybe maybe you're saying it's the same for clients too, that somehow if I attune to where you're at, it's somehow like the same is saying like the way that you're saying it is absolutely correct. Like if you're yelling and screaming and I attune to you and hold space for what's going on for you, that's like the same as saying that yelling and screaming and calling names is okay, which isn't actually what we're doing when we attune. Well, I, you, you beautifully came up with a Sarah, uh, scenario that puts the holding true truths at its extreme, right? Mm-hmm. And in our attunement with empathy that helps to restore safety, validation, and make what is incomprehensible, mm-hmm. understandable, and knowable mm-hmm. through the attachment lens. So we're always doing both at the same time. Right. And, and what I love about the way Sue does this is she doesn't necessarily uh, minimize the protective moves. And she'll say, oh, when you get scared and that shame can come in, it makes total sense from where you come from. But then what you do with that is you don't turn to your partner and say, I'm so scared and the shame can get me and want to take you away from me because I'm a failure and I want to hide. I don't say that to you, but instead I come out and I yell and scream and I can get verbally abusive to you. Mm. Mm. Is is accurately linking the protective move to the trigger, the vulnerability, right? Because what we can name, we simultaneously open it up to the taming process, mm. both both for the partner who's sharing and the partner who is hearing it. Hmm. I wonder if if so. Those when you guys are hearing this and watching this, if you're feeling what I'm feeling right now, is like. Cindy, I felt like you just reached in and grabbed my heart, right? And I could, I could feel like a little bit of water welling in my eye. It was something, you know, just so beautifully about the way that you frame the shame, you know, and we're just so loving about it while also, you know, in the loving EFT way, still confronting, right? You didn't skirt around the protective strategies but you also didn't come at it like this is abuse and it needs to stop right which we know is what will like arm up our the protections of our client right and so it was like kind of being rocked like i don't know like a little baby or something like i just i felt so held and ah it just felt so good right just to have you hold that right and and it was like two truths within the couple but within the self that you have this shame when you're scared when you feel like a failure and you don't turn to your partner you know and you don't do this and what you do instead is you you yell or scream or you know and and helping them own that part in such a non-shaming way because that part, as much as the protective move would be to go away, it too longs 
for having the truth be seen and accepted for what it is trying to do, where it comes from, why it's there, and open up the possibility for them of how to heal from mm-hmm. that with themselves and with their partner. And especially mm-hmm. because the strongest motivator is the sweetheart is right there in the room. Mm. And circling back to what you said with this also about sort of the danger could be, you know, am I going to lose my partner? or Could I lose this couple? So if I'm the therapist and I'm with two people and one is saying, you know, I have this emotional experience and this is my meaning of this thing that took place between us or the disconnect and the other partner is reactive and saying something else, like somehow if I hold both, if I attune to maybe the despair or this narrative, this attachment meaning, and this one that it's like, it feels like they're competing. Like, like the danger ultimately could be, we have to be holding the exact same truth. Like both people have to be on in agreement about how they emotionally experience something. Otherwise I could lose my partner or I could lose this couple. Is that sort of the sense? Right. When the trigger goes off, whether it's in the partners or in the, in the therapist, right, it becomes dichotomous. Mm-hmm. Right? The, the either ors that you talked about, the constriction happens and it's hard to feel the freedom and expansiveness to see other ways or to stay in the moment and co-create other ways of navigating mm-hmm. around the despair. Or once you fully come to understand the relational meaning of that despair, it's like, I've tried and tried and tried and tried. I have too for years and I I couldn't come up with it. And they have no idea. They don't know what they don't know. Mm. But we in EFT know, right? We, we have the attachment lens. We have the roadmap. And we know how to make sense of emotions that prime health, healing, and connection. Mm. And so when we teach them what they don't know that they don't even know, right, they can close the gaps and take care of all those situational problems uh, that used to get them stuck. Cindy, I think you might be a genius. You just <laughs> said something so big, and I just had like a click in my brain, which is really awesome. So thank you. So, and it was, you used the word co-creating and what I think I'm hearing you say, and you tell me if I'm getting this right, is that we as the therapist or even as people, we can, by holding space for, like we can hold space for both truths even if they are different and i think the danger in the past would be that somehow if both are true and right that we can't have connection but what i think the magic the bigger truth maybe the redemption in what you're saying about co-creation is we take both of those truths and co-create a third truth 
where both are apart and we co-create like an attachment, meaning like, yes, I felt this way. And yes, I felt this way. And the common co-creating could be that this with both of these, these are true. And this is how we missed each other. And we both feel pain, even though it's expressed differently or. Right. We've eased the amygdala, the protective walls can come down, the constriction loosens, and they are able to come up with their own co-created path that they're going to navigate. And you see this time and time again, whether it's navigating cultural differences or relationships with extended family or external stressors that fall outside of the couple system, but have divided the couple in the negative cycle, that how, because those external triggers may not change, or they may take a long time to resolve, how do they learn to come together to connect and co-create that way they're going to hang together as they have to walk forward in the external stressors or dealing with external family. And, and that's what we do in EFT, right? We help them to find each other and how to hold together, no matter what's going on around them. Mm. I love what you're saying. And what you're also not saying is that attunement is not validating somebody's um coping strategies per se, like if they're yelling or screaming or calling names, that doesn't mean we're not intervening or, um, you know, confronting that. Um, But attuning doesn't necessarily mean like, oh, it's okay that you just called your partner a this or a that, (laughs) you know, that's not what attunement is. Um, No, not at all. We'd be helping them to navigate deeper into their process of emotion so they can stay in the vulnerable emotion and experience connection rather than isolation Mm. there. Mm. So the therapist's job is like that safe container. And we go in with our x-ray vision of attachment and we go under, you know, like conceptually or in our heart holding space for what we see on the surface, which may, you know, ping our radar and, you know, want to put us in this like, uh oh, danger mode, really recognizing even though on the surface, it may look very different. I I was mad and I was sad, or I was sad about this, and I wasn't affected by this. It's being, we don't have to agree to be with. And I think that's where a lot of couples get stuck. I think that's what you're saying. And the therapist could get stuck, but recognizing it's, you know, the way that these come out on the surface underneath, often we find I'm scared and I'm scared, though I may get quiet. I may say I think I'm done with this relationship and I may scream and poke and and follow and, you know, and, and we're not justifying necessarily we're just understanding and that co-creation would be you're both scared you know or whatever it is at the moment you're both scared of losing your partner even though it gets expressed in the cycle in these different ways right we we help them to hear each other in their own truths 
at mm. that vulnerable level. Mm. Uh, and that opens up their hearts. Mm. And ours. And ours. And our truth, as we open up permission and space and safety for them to hear each other's truths, mm. is that we don't know what it's going to look like. We don't know the picture that they are going to mm. paint together. Mm. And, and can we be open to that? That we are not the expert of this new dance or pathway or how they hang together, what that is going to look like. That mm. when we can be okay with allowing them to co-create that, once we help them to uh, build safety with each other without us, Mm. Uh, I find that gives me a lot of freedom mm. uh, and lightness rather than to feel the burden of having to be the expert mm. or to, to hold it all up or to, to mm. be preventative. Manage or referee. Right. That it's no longer uh, an either or in my nervous system. Mm. But mm. if I allow them to have their truths and explore their truths to um, understand their attachment signals and the mm. mean, bring out the meaning that's deep mm. underneath those protective layers and share it with each other. That mm. um, it's it's like I use a metaphor of you know in the negative cycle everything just looks like barren dirt, but we see little signs of live emotion that there's a lot of meaning and heart underneath there. Can we stay there and go underneath there, and then we might find jagged rock that somehow we kind of have a sense, I think there's a golden nugget in there. Let me help you to bring out the truth of that golden nugget, help you dust it off so that you can hold it out to your sweetheart and your sweetheart can see your golden nugget too and be impacted by the golden nugget rather than the dry dirt, mm. you know, that you might throw at them or, mm. or, or pitch over there and then run away, uh, and vice versa. Right. There's this goofy part of me that wants to say, does that make us gold diggers as therapists? <laughs> we're looking for the gold. <laughs> and maybe we are, like we're kind of gemologists and such, and we're digging through the earth of reactivity, of pain, of protections to find the gems, the diamonds, you know, the, the goods, the juice, the sauce, whatever you want to call it, right? Mm -hmm. And I love you said the word freedom. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so big when we don't feel like as therapists, as humans, and have to get in a power struggle over it has to be one way or the other, one truth or the other, that there's freedom in, okay, now that, you know, both can exist. And I wonder if that's maybe the true nature of the danger is that maybe as people and even as therapists, maybe we've struggled with not knowing what to do if there's two things at the same time. Like, and this could be where couples get stuck. Like, you know, something happens and I felt really sad and affected, but my partner was unfazed by it. And now, we're in full swing because I'm looking for my partner to be with me. And then the partner saying, well, do you want me to be sad because you're sad and I'm not sad and I don't want to be sad. 
you know, why should I be bothered by something that doesn't bother me? And it's, yeah, you can be unfazed. It didn't have to impact you the way it was impacting your partner. And we can hold space for, can we be with, can I attune to your sadness, your experience, even if I'm not sad and still emotionally be with you and hold that. You know, what I like what you're describing, you, you know, you do a beautiful job of describing how couples come in mm-hmm. to session with what uh, divided them or has them so far apart. Uh, and you, you characterize sometimes what is the unspeakable. Mm-hmm. The unspeakable truth is, yeah, I wasn't saddened by that. I was happy in that situation. And that feels unspeakable because I know that that's going to cause you to feel like I don't care or I'm so far away. But actually, to think about it, to put myself in that scenario, now that I hear how sad you were, how you were affected differently from me, that saddens me that I didn't notice or that I was unaware. Yes, I might have experienced that same moment with joy, but I'm hearing you now, and that touches me deeply, that that very same thing that brought me joy brought you painful sadness. Mm. Like that you are sharing that with me now. That matters to me that I didn't notice, but Mm. I'm hearing you now. Hmm. Yeah, I love that. So, you know, even when the cycle does come up, you know, what I hear you reflecting is that, you know, as a partner, you know, we can really let ourselves resonate the impact of, you know, the sadness would not necessarily be over whatever the trigger was, right? And that's okay. And we're still holding that truth. It doesn't go away. And, you know, the other additional truth, I guess, maybe it's a third truth that now enters in is the, the sadness attached to the disconnect that had happened as a result of one partner feeling like the other was far away in an emotional experience. Right. When you need me, when you reach for me, will I come? even if it was unspeakable that I was in a different place. Mm-hmm. You matter to me so much that you are reaching and calling for me now. And I I want to show up. I'm here to show up. Mm-hmm. And that's what we help couples to, to grow into and learn. Uh, that, yes, I did feel differently in that circumstance. But when you come to me... Mm-hmm. Your pain matters to me because you matter to me. They, mm. they, they can have both parts, hold both truths and stay present and be relationally responsive. Mm. Right. So <laughs> even in health, it's not an either or. Right. Right. So I think what I love what you're saying in health. So it's like even going forward, let's just say, we go through something as a couple and and once again something hits me and i'm having an experience and it doesn't hit my partner the same way 
and I see this happen with couples that where they get stuck, it feels like, well, if I'm sad, we're, we are disconnected if I don't join you in the sad and I'm not sad and why should I be sad? And and I think it's sort of like misunderstanding the freedom that comes from holding the truths together, but it's not about agreeing, it's about connecting. Like, okay, I don't have to have been impacted by this same comment or triggering event or look or whatever it was the way that you experienced it. And can I still tune into you and resonate with what that would be like to feel that way? Again, doesn't mean that I'm absorbing sadness and suddenly sad, but I'm attuning to your sadness. I'm joining you and relating with you where the partner feels like even though you have another truth, you're still with me and I'm not alone. I'm not unreasonable for feeling like I'm, you're still with me, even though you have a different truth. Yeah. I think it's, uh, I'm moved by your pain and I'm, I'm, I'm touched and I'm moved to move towards you and provide the safety or the comfort or the acceptance or the weenus I'm here with you mm. in it. Mm. That's beautiful. I'm moved by your pain. I'm touched by your pain. Yeah. Really like, and I think attunement is so key, right? If I'm tuning in and I'm being with, mm-hmm. right? I can have my different experience, my different truth, and be with and meet you here. You know, if I'm your partner, I'm your sibling, I'm your loved one, or I'm your therapist, right? And and I know we've got around the corner to the end. And before we do, I want to bring back in, because it's related to what we're talking about, the push pin around that power struggle. If it has to be one or the other, we've sort of peeled back the onion on how two people could be in relationship and have different experiences and still, you know, we're finding a way for them to attune and emotionally be responsive, available, you know, ARE accessible, responsive, and engaged with each other, even while holding those two truths. Now I'm thinking as the therapist, when we're working with even like an individual, even if they're in couples or it's just one person coming in or family, where they have multiple emotions. And I, this is self of the therapist thing that I think you're touching on and I'm pulling up. And I remember in the past where it, it did feel like even an internal power struggle, like I have to chase away the other emotion. It can only be this. I can only sit with one. Like somehow there was a danger to holding the fact that you might be frustrated or you might be anxious, and there is sadness underneath. But somehow I had to get rid of your anxiety and go to the sadness. Like I didn't know how to hold those two truths together for a long time. And if we could be curious together, what do you suppose? I mean, I know what it was about for me, but let's just pretend I don't. What do you suppose this could be about this I can't I don't know what to do. I don't know how to have both of these coexisting. 
actually, right, you just did a beautiful job, Annabelle, of illuminating the two truths there. Well, the, the multiple truths in that. I had these multiple emotions in that situation, and it was too overwhelming. I could only hold and focus on one in the forefront. The rest I had to uh, protect myself from. Otherwise, if I didn't, what would happen? And, and your more of your truth would emerge. Mm. Right? So I wouldn't know. I wouldn't begin to suppose. But I'd just track what you shared with me and go with what is. And as we tune in, together which is not one truth or the other but together you can go you can feel safer in yourself to go look mm. right mm. and and i'll be there to hear your truth mm. on what you're discovering help you make sense of it help you organize it and then help you make it relational by passing it to your sweetheart mm. Yeah, it's so beautiful. And what sort of lands on me the most beautifully is like in making space for both. And I think that was the key. And in my early EFT days, I think I was struggling to try to hold too much in the model and I would say something in my head that was very similar to what I hear clients say, okay, so these both exist. What do I do with it? Like I have to fix it in some way. And that could actually block attunement, right? Which attunement is really the nuanced art of fully being with, you know, it's a, a way of presence. And if I'm in my head worrying about how I need to solve, you know, or how to cram like this emotion into the steps and stages of EFT versus like, can I just let go for a second and just relate to you as a human being, right? And be with these two places. And really you took it slow and then you went right back into the model is let's organize. And I think that's what I missed before and why it felt like a threat is I struggled with how to maybe conceptualize or what what to do even in the model when two truths were present um, and you organized and you made sense out of like both of these play a role in your present reality and what you feel and how you protect yourself and being able to make space for both really helps create a comprehensive picture of somebody's experience rather than limiting, which I think you used that word before. Yeah, you know, Annabelle, I like the way you're putting it in your unique words to capture your developmental journey in becoming maneuverable and holding two truths. And, and I'll put it in mine, which is a metaphor, right? Uh, I, for a long time, used to think I had to hold both partners up. Like I had to be stretched out across their two truths, across their, uh, uh, you know, uh, 
polarities of emotional reactivity, protectiveness, uh, one in vulnerability, one in not. And I just felt wrung out. And by doing that, I'm supposed to hold them out of distress. And what I realized was it, when I'm doing that, I'm not understanding in a deep and broad way either partner. And I'm holding back on tracking their emotion and understanding them through empathic attunement. Uh, and so the a metaphor that I land on, because um, I have a rolly chair, right, is I want to, as I'm unpacking and trying to see the emotion and the attachment significance of one partner rolling alongside, let me support you so we can help make sense of what you are going through so you can send a different clear signal to your sweetheart. Let me come alongside and, and mm -hmm. be right here and support you. And as I'm doing that, I'm not going to lose sight of your loved one. And I might let him, her, they know via close validation or body language or physical touch, hey, I'm going to come to you or I know you've said it differently. I'm keeping that in mind as we help your sweetheart unpack what goes on for them around the same trigger. And then I'm going to roll my chair around to the other side. And I'm not stretched out, but I'm helping each of them to be make themselves safe and visible to the other so that they can then engage in a different way with one another and hearing each other's truths, which at the depths, that all that reactivity is about, I wanna feel safe with you. I wanna feel unconditionally loved and accepted by you. I wanna feel like there's room for you, mm -hmm. room for me in you, right? And when, I, when they can connect there, mm -hmm. um, boy, is that a, I just get a boost of energy in my nervous system because mm -hmm. there's no stopping what they can do together. Mm. And I love what you're saying. And I want to bring in that individual part too, because I know we have a lot of folks watching this who maybe only see individuals. It's, you know, the same, like really, I think you said like seeing them, seeing both of them. And even if it's, one person who one body that is coming into your room, right? Sue so always says we're never alone. We're interacting with a cast of characters. So maybe, you know, this we're working with the parts and fully seeing the self and making space for both and using that to understand our truth, our needs and how to send clear signals out to the world around us and those we interact with, whether, you know, it's something in the workplace and I need to have a conversation with my boss and we're making sense out of this picture, or it's the neighbor across the street I've been wanting to ask out or grandma who's passed on or, you know, um, Cindy, what? I see your face. <laughs> I like tuning in. Like what? I see like this softness, this, what am I picking up on right here? Uh, I'm just feeling for, as I go and you know, you're describing uh, an internal nervous system and the multiple parts and feeling for the core of that person, that soul and 
helping them to understand the different parts, particularly the ones in pain mm. and hearing those, the voices of those parts and helping them to appreciate the courage, the ingenuity, the resourcefulness of those parts to have survived those situations. And then now to reach out to the, the self for healing and mm -hmm. love and care, just like we reach out to our partners. Um, so I think you are uh, seeing me as I was feeling for uh, all the internal parts of oh. our our clients that we're privileged mm. uh, to be in front of. It's so beautiful. And I, I just love, you know, I know some of you guys will be listening to this in podcast form. And so those of you on YouTube, you'll get the benefit of being able to tune in and seeing um, the beautiful reflection on Cindy's face of what we're talking about and what's going on in her heart. And it is just so touching. And and I I think that's really it, right? It's like tuning in moving towards and even if we have another truth you know that doesn't have to be a threat we can it's we can hold both and have connection and i think kind of what you've been circling around this entire time is that is really about connection we can bring both together and unite them both in a way of moving towards like it's really not about agreeing you know it's about being able to be with no matter how many people are in the room however if you have multiple bodies in the room that are customers for change um you know you have more nervous systems that you do have to hold including your own as a therapist and having that attachment lens really allows our heart to hold that container to make sense that this isn't about saying that the way that you're expressing your truth is okay or great. You know, it's about diving deeper, recognizing there's more to the story, more to the feeling, letting our heart hold empathy, compassion for the, the people, one or multiples who and really, I think the summation of EFT and attachment is are trying to love and be loved. And we can do that with multiple truths. And we must, right? I mean, right. Yes. What, is, what does it feel like if you're a person, if you've gone to couples counseling or you've gone in with your sibling for family counseling and you feel like someone, the therapist, isn't holding your truth? That, hey, yeah, there are two people with two experiences and that can create a rupture and break alliance and that can be a cost. So we're really called, even though it, it may take more internal energy, the more people you add in the room, because you add more nervous systems. Right. And ruptures are opportunities, right? Yes. That, that the, it, in the repair of the rupture, the care to repair and go about the repair strengthens the relationship beyond that uh, mm. without ruptures. Mm. And that's the amazing part, right? So holding the two parts, yes, ruptures occur, but they're also opportunities uh, to strengthen. Yeah. 
letting people know I care enough about you, about your truth to repair. And even if we make a mistake, I'm not just going to say, I don't care about your feelings and well, oh, well, there's the door, you know, which they might be expecting. Oh, well, if if there's a rupture, no one's going to care about how I feel and I'm going to get abandoned or rejected. So you're like modeling healthy humaning in that process. Right. Well, you're you're describing uh, allowing space for all of those attachment fears to come through uh, in the therapeutic alliance. Mm-hmm. So Cindy, as we sort of wrap up here, do you have like maybe a nugget or, you know, maybe like a lasting, you know, takeaway from this, the art of holding two truths that you would like? I mean, we said so many wonderful things, but is there anything you want to add to it that you want to send people away with or? Mm. Yeah. I look for the, the exquisiteness and the pain and the expression of it uh, as much as the sweetness of the connection. Mm. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Thank you so much, Cindy, for being with us today. And and uh, I hope everyone really, like, hopefully I'm hoping you guys feel what I'm feeling as I'm speaking with Cindy. And my heart just feels so held and so calm. And multiple times I could feel myself taking this deep breath. Like, I got this warm hug. And, you know, I think having your truth held, you know, really does just that, even if I'm in therapy and my truth is different from my partner's truth, knowing that there's space for me really can help me feel held. And if I feel like there's room for me, then my nervous system also doesn't have to fight so hard to have my truth known or shut it away because I feel hopeless that there's just no space for it. Right. Well captured. You captured the weeness that's in We Heart Therapy. <laughs> I love it. We Heart EFT Therapy for this very reason. And so, you know, I hope you guys are really just loving what you're hearing today. And Cindy is incredible. And uh, so, Cindy, you are the trainer of the EFT Center in Hawaii. And could you just tell everyone a little bit more about the Hawaii community, the center you have there, and let folks know where they could find you and contact you, train with you? Yeah, uh, our center is the Hawaii Center for EFT, and our mission and heart is to, uh, to engage with aloha, to learn together, to do what is right according to our EFT values and practices, um, to be accepting and be in harmony together. Uh, And we're so excited uh, that uh, we're going back in person. And so uh, check our website on www.hisef.com or find us on Facebook, Hawaii Center for EFT. Uh, join our groups and you can uh, get updated on our workshops that will be coming up in 2024. Um, once you're connected with us, uh, you you become part of our family and you're always welcome. We'd love to have you here uh, and we hope our EFT paths cross. Mm. 
EFT Ohana, right? Right, right. Is there a website like hawaiieftcenter.com or anything like that? Uh, Yes, it's HiceftHiceft.com. Perfect. And do you have a website? Uh, I do. Uh, www.drcindygoodnessane.com. That's also my email, drcindygoodnessane at gmail.com. Perfect. And I will make sure if you are watching this on YouTube that there will be a link like a hyperlink to Cindy's website. So you can just scroll into the description for the video and just click the link and go to Cindy's websites or get in touch with her. I know she would love to hear from you and, you know, maybe you'll take a trip out to Hawaii and work with Cindy, take an EFT training, or if you're a couple watching this, you do intensives out in Hawaii, right? Yeah, I do. Uh, I work with a couple uh, for three days uh, and hope to move them uh, as far along the EFT roadmap as they can go. Um, So if there are couples out there that want to combine a Hawaii vacation uh, with strengthening their relationship, I'm happy to work with them. That's amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much for being with us today and and sharing your wisdom and just your incredible heart. And it was just amazing. So I hope everyone feels the blessing that I feel like I got today. So thank you. Thank you, Annabelle. And thank you to all of our viewers. And if you want more, you know, contact Cindy, go to her website, visit ICEFT, visit Sue Johnson's website. You can visit my website. Also pick up a copy of my book on Amazon using relentless empathy and the therapeutic relationship, uh, connecting with challenging and resistant clients. You can find that author name is Annabelle Bugatti. Dr. Bell is just my my cute, funny, uh, my branding guy wanted me to do that, like Dr. Oz or Dr. Ruth. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so thank you everyone for being with us today. Make sure you give Cindy a shout out wherever you find her and uh, be welcome to the EFT Ohana and uh, make sure that if you are watching this or wherever you're listening that you do hit subscribe because more videos are on the way. Don't forget to buy my book Using Relentless Empathy in the Therapeutic Relationship Connecting with Challenging and Resistant Clients for Helping Professionals available on Amazon or on my website, www.drbugatti.com.